G'day and welcome to another episode of Perth Property Insider. I'm your host, Jared Mann, and today I'm really excited to have Nick Aves from Purely Finance along. He's not only a long-term client of ours at Investors Edge, he's a personal friend and also my finance broker. So we're going to be helping you level up how you play your game of finance. And we've got lots of things to cover today, including the recent changes in the lending criteria, what they might mean for your situation, what borrowers are going to be affected most. And then that dovetails nicely into understanding the bank's serviceability calculations and how you can make them work best for you. We're also going to cover where do we see interest rates going and how to get your financial house in order so that regardless of what happens in the game, you're going to be protected and also qualify for the most lending possible if you do want to grow your portfolio. We've got some examples of the loan assessment challenges uh, we've seen people face lately. And finally, in our two-part episode, we're going to cover off is rates or policy more important? So make sure you stay tuned for part two, where we're also going to go further into the game of finance. But for now, let's go inside. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management specialist servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here is your host, Jared Mann. G'day, Nick. Thanks for joining us today. Excited to be chatting everything finance. Oh, thanks, Jared. It's a it's a delight to be uh, on the show. I've been uh, a regular listener and enjoying it, and now to be on the other side, it's uh, it all gets a bit serious now, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know we have lots of good chats every week when because you handle my personal finance with things, and um, we often get to the end of a half an hour ch- discussion, and I think, gee, I wish we had a press record on that one. <laughs> so today, I've actually been prepared and uh, and got the record button ready. So lots to talk about, don't we? Yeah, lots to talk about. I suppose a lot of people say that uh, you know property investment is really a finance game with houses. So it's a it's a very important part of the puzzle to to get the finance right, and it's certainly uh, changing all the time at the moment. And it, it's a difficult thing to master. Yeah, definitely. And finance often is the biggest challenge to people growing their portfolios. So you know we can have all the aspirations in the world, but if you get stuck, um, hopefully we can help some people today get get unstuck and navigate a way through to to the next purchase. So Absolutely. stay tuned, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the things you're seeing in the financing game at the moment? There's a lot. It's been a very busy fortnight, hasn't it? Yeah, look, it's been a really busy fortnight. It's been a, a really busy um, six months. It's been an incredibly busy 12 months. So I think uh, a lot of people will be aware of the changes sort of a lot of changes rolled out after the Royal Commission. So it may be worth just touching on that and giving yeah. a bit of background to that i sort of think as the whole world changed then prior to that it was a lot of the risk was back on the borrower to sort of take the risk of the the amount they were borrowing certainly lenders were looking at client circumstances and making credit decisions but it was sort of an implied i suppose responsibility on the borrower uh, to a certain degree well the the royal commission flipped that and said to the lenders no, you're responsible. You should know better. You are the finance experts. So we demand of you a higher standard. You need to be more thorough. 
you need to have more checks and balances and you need to look at worst case scenarios. And that's why if anybody in the last 12, 18 months has applied for finance, as opposed to previously, it's a completely different world. The amount of data they need to provide, um, certainly people's borrowing limits have reduced. And so it's it's continually changed. In January, we saw the legislation change in particular in relation to brokers, which is probably a good thing. And that is that when you're dealing with a broker, the broker now has to comply with best interest duty. And that is where they must provide the best outcome for the client that they can. And they're required to do so by law. Oh, uh, so you mean they weren't actually required to do that before? It might come as news to people. Yeah, that's right. No, there was no requirement under law to do that. I think that's how we did perform our business because our business was all based on word of mouth. So if you didn't do the right thing by people, you didn't have a business. But it's certainly legislated now. Hmm. The interesting thing, though, is that all the lenders don't have to comply with that legislation. So if you go direct to a lender, they don't have to comply with best interest duty. They're just basically flogging their product. So that's a bit of a change. And it hasn't made a big change to how we do business. It's made a a difference how we record what we do. So we just have to take more detailed notes and things like that in relation to that. But I think that's a positive thing for borrowers so they can be assured of that. What's happened in the last week or so, and we we sort of knew it was coming, and that is that APRA have come out and said to the banks, look, you need to increase your serviceability rates. So the banks have two interest rates. One is the interest rate that we as clients get charged on our loans. And the banks or the lenders have a margin above that actual interest rate, which they work out that if the interest rate was to rise to that higher assessment rate, can the customer still comfortably afford those repayments? And basically, it's been increased from 25 to 3%. So, And that's above the current rate, isn't it? That yeah. Put on that's right. when they're checking your serviceability. So that's right. If it was 2.5% actual rate, then I guess they'd, they'd assess it at 5% previously, but now 5.5%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that makes a little bit of a difference. So... If, if you're a couple, so say, earning $100,000, so a fairly modest income, the difference in your borrowing capacity would be around about $20,000 on that 0.5% adjustment. Okay. So where you might have been able to borrow, I don't know, maybe about four hundred and sixty, potentially now about four hundred and forty. So about okay. $22,000 difference. That's so it makes 000. a bit of a difference. And yeah, does that a bit skew of out at higher amounts of borrowing? Or is is it sort of a yeah, similar look, relative effect? I think we're, I mean, for most people that we're seeing day in, day out buying houses, usually their, their serviceability is not an issue. They've got enough income to service what they're doing, particularly if they're double income or if they're high income, not an issue. Where it gets more difficult is for the people probably listening to this podcast who are interested in investing. Because when your debt level goes up, every little bit makes a difference because it's with most lenders, it's not just applied on the loan you're applying for, it's also all your existing loans. So if you have a million dollars in investment lending at the moment, um, 2.5%, and you're going to the bank for your next investment property, they look at all that million dollars you've got presently um, Not just on the new loan, but anything you have, I guess. Yeah, they do at a high rate. That's most lenders do it that way. There's okay. always lenders that do things slightly different, and there are some lenders that aren't so harsh on that with existing debt, but most do. Most do. Yeah. Okay. 
So I guess um, how are you finding it practically happen with clients that might have already been looking or people that you've been preparing to purchase? Yeah, so like I mentioned, because interest rates are so low at the moment, we're finding serviceability for people buying homes hasn't doesn't seem to be affected by much because most have a very substantial buffer. Not everybody, but most do. And certainly there's a lot of activity still in that first home buyer space and that upgrading space at the moment. In the Perth market, we're not seeing huge amounts of investor clients coming in. So what we're seeing is owner-occupiers, and for that, it doesn't make a difference. It wasn't that long ago before the interest rates really came down when COVID sort of hit, so we had those last reductions, that some of the banks were using 8% of serviceability rates and 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 six and a half and and seven and seven and a half. Okay. So it's only it's only been really in the last less than 12 months that we've seen this really low serviceability rate. And now we're just, you know, jumping up a little bit, but it's it's really not a big, big, big difference. Yeah. yeah I guess in the grand scheme of things we've yeah. the interest rates over the long term have probably been around seven percent or six to seven percent. And It'll be interesting to see how close to that longer term average we get back to. Yeah. Well, I think I think averages on interest rates are an interesting thing because interest rates are at historically low levels, mm. but they've been low for quite some time. Yeah. So to get back to an average, I don't know if we'll get back to an average. No, it's, that's it's, what it's I, a quantum I've leap from well. where we are yeah. today. And the debt level is a lot higher for people. So the difference a small increase makes today is far greater than what it was a while back where the actual loan size was smaller. So I think if the government is looking to use interest rates or or the Reserve Bank is looking to use interest rates to... As a lever. um, As uh, a lever, yes, they're going to get a lot bang for their buck, if you like, because people's debt levels higher, small increase will spook the market. Interesting. And I guess the thing we've got uh, going for us in Perth is they often get dictated all their policies by the feelings of our Melbourne and Sydney um, residents. <laughs> oh, exactly right. And because their affordability is so out of control compared to Perth, uh, where we're nearly half the price, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people crying out over there when and if interest rates do start coming back. And um, I guess a lot of these changes are mainly in response to what's happening there, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And I think people would be a lot tighter as I was making my comments there that we Mm. see people a long way above the serviceability. I'm sure in Sydney um, in particular that they're they're nudging right up against their maximum borrowing capacity. So the percentage of people's income in Sydney that goes towards the mortgage payment is significantly more than what it would be in Perth, without a doubt. And obviously that's what they're looking to do is they're trying to cool that Sydney market a little bit because the price growth over there has just been unbelievable um, mm. and unsustainable and, and yeah. probably not healthy. So they need to do something. But the Reserve Bank has consistently said, look, we're not going to reduce interest rates to 2014. And so if they're not going to increase interest rates, uh, they need to look for other measures. And this is one measure they're trying. The interesting thing with it is, 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 is how the market sentiment reacts to this because I've had quite a few conversations with clients lately who I think, Interest rates are being pushed up, not the serviceability rate. They haven't made that dis- that that difference, and um, yeah, distinction. So they, so you know, some people may think, oh, this is it. Interest rates are going up by three percent. They just grab a headline, 
rather than getting into the details. So, and that's not the case. Yeah. And I did see news being thrown around in the the month leading up to this announcement that APRA was considering some other changes. Do you, do you see any of them on the horizon? And, and I guess it's probably going to depend on how the market reacts and what the regulators see. Yeah, spot on, spot on, Jared. I think it's going to depend on how the market reacts. They're, they'll be looking for a reaction from the market, see what happens with, with real estate. And, and I, I have heard a few sort of comments that, you know, there is a few signs from Sydney that maybe things are slowing, but I, I don't know. I don't know that market well enough. Yeah, um, but they were talking about debt-to-service ratios and other little things they could do. So certainly they'll be looking at other levers they can pull to, to just, just steady that growth and get that growth back under control on the East Coast for sure. And as I found it, I, I actually purposely didn't release any update on the potential finance changes because I've seen so many different uh, ideas bandied around the last you know, four to six weeks and whether or not they come to pass, uh, it's, you know, this one sort of, I didn't see any commentator mention a change to the assessment rate. I was mainly seeing um, borrowing caps at, um, you know, X times income mentioned. So you never really know what they're going to land on and it doesn't really serve, I think, our listeners to speculate on what those are going to be other than to maybe start being a little bit more cautious about your finance, getting your house in order. If you do those things before you make any purchase, then, you know, it's only going to serve you well, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think today with finance, we've got lots of things going on with um, positive credit files uh, where uh, people are reporting on bill payment times, uh, credit card repayment times and stuff like that. It's very, very important that if we are in the game of property, uh, which means we need finance, that we really have a look at all those things to make sure that we are we are not making any mistakes. Um, I had a, an application this week that's been stopped and we're fighting it at the moment, trying to get overturned, and it was because somebody was paying, they opted for monthly rates payments. When COVID came out, you could opt to pay monthly rather than pay quarterly, half yearly or annually. So that was coming out of their credit card their credit card became expired. So only a couple of monthly payments went through. Then the payments stopped. Clients just overlooked it, probably their mistake, but hey, we're all busy. But the Shire never contacted them. So yeah. now we've gone gone forward uh, 10 months. They've got their next rate bill and they're in arrears by uh, $2,800 or something from last year's rates. Hmm. And the bank wants to see the rates notice to do the refinance. So, you know, so we've had to go to the Shire and work out a program. So it's things like that. It's just little things that can really just stop your application dead and then then we have to do a massive workaround. Yeah. I had one declined on finance this month as well. That was out of right field. It happened right at the last minute. This is not one that you were handling, otherwise we probably would have known about it you know, before we'd gone through all the process of making the application and whatnot. So 11th hour, it got declined because they decided that the money that they had aside didn't stay in their account long enough for genuine savings. And they had actually used 100,000 of their savings towards um, buying shares. And and so it wasn't a case that they didn't have the money. It's just that they moved it out of the account to buy the shares. And at the drop of the hat, they could sell 
the shares and move the money back um, as they they were prepared to do, but then they weren't. They wanted the three month clock to start again, which was very yeah. annoying for everyone. <laughs> yeah, tra- transferring money like that is fine. I, I think I actually spoke to that client, and what we find with some some of the community groups, uh, ethnic community groups, is they very much work together to help each other out. So they're lending money to each other to help mm-hmm. them out, and it's their money they lend to a friend, and then the friend pays them back. But you're right, genuine savings, the rule is the money has to be in the account for three months. So I think anybody who's looking to apply for finance, it's worth having a meeting with whoever you use for your finance prior to it, a good time prior for it, and say, look, this is what I'm looking to do. What do I need to do? Because if you have those conversations prior to that, you can let people know all these things Mm. so they can take appropriate actions. But you did a very good um, podcast about how you manage your money, and I think people need to have a system for managing their money and if they're using different accounts or buckets or whatever you want to call it and making sure that their repayments to everything are are automated and there's always money there on time. Um, Another one that gets caught out all the time is sometimes people go over their credit card limit and they may pay their credit card off in full each month. So you go, well, what's the problem if I pay my credit card off in full each month. I never pay any interest. It's paid off in full. And I use the credit card until it doesn't work. And then when it doesn't work, I I use my direct debit or whatever. But the banks take a dim view if you go over the limit. And my argument to the bank is, well, if you don't like them going over the limit, don't let them go over the limit. That that argument doesn't (laughs) win. (laughs) So it's very much about being in control of the small stuff with your finances can make a big difference uh, from being tripped up along the way. Yeah. Now, I look, when I'm chatting to individual um, borrowers, they do get hung up on their interest rate a lot. Does that vary much between lenders at the moment? Like, what are you kind of seeing out there among the big four and the, the secondary lenders? Yeah, well, I think there's an absolute war going on between the lenders at the moment. It, it's hard to understand what the rationale behind it is, but they are literally giving away the bank to new clients and... The unfortunate thing is they are funding that, those unbelievable interest rates and those cashback offers and all sorts of stuff for clients to refinance. They're funding that by basically ripping off their existing clients by charging them higher rates. And it seems very unethical that you wouldn't reward your longstanding loyal customers. So what we're seeing is we're seeing clients going from lender A to lender B and lender B's clients going from lender B back to lender A. to get better deals. So, yeah, it seems a bit strange. But, yes, yeah. there is a big variance. Interest rates, obviously, if you're an investor, your interest is a, is a big cost. Um, it's an important cost. And also when we're talking about the borrowing limits that you can do, if, if we've got somebody a really sharp investment rate on most of their portfolio and we're putting a margin above that on 3%, well, obviously, they can borrow more than if we haven't got a sharp rate yeah, on 3% on a higher rate. Having said that, Sometimes it comes back to policy. So sometimes, uh, particularly when we're building a portfolio, we will reach where the maximum we can go with mainstream lenders. And if there is a good deal and it stacks up and it fits your your plan and it makes sense and we can only secure finance with a slightly higher rate and there are two choices, well, then that's a decision you as a client needs to make. Are you prepared to pay a slightly higher rate to get into that asset? because you think it's going to work really well for you, or, or do you say no? So banks certainly have different borrowing capacities, different way they assess things, and it's quite common that clients can go to their bank that they've been with for a very long, long time and have a very strong relationship with, and their bank can't help them anymore, but a different lender uh, can. 
And it doesn't always mean a higher rate, but in a few extreme cases, it can. Yeah. And I guess that's why I've always found the benefit of using a broker over running around and trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together yourself. And, you know, with one call and once they're already across your finances and have got everything, then it's just hard for the average consumer to even know where to start with policy, let alone shopping the rate. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and, I, and I think the reality is today with the lenders is they are they are looking for volume and they are looking to down their costs. So they they down their costs by having less staff, and 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 staff they can pay less to. So they get jun- more junior staff. So it'll be very hard in the banking environment unless you've got a very large business and have a very good business banker, or are an extremely high end consumer, perhaps in private bank for you to have a one-on-one relationship. Um, usually you've just got a processing officer who really has limited knowledge on on all, all things finance, to be honest. So I think the main thing that a broker can bring to the table is that experience to have those conversations with um, where you, you just wouldn't get through going direct with a lender. And, and the other reason you mentioned, of course, yeah. Well, Nick, thanks for joining us for part one. We've got so many great topics ahead. Really looking forward to getting stuck in to them with you on part two. I'll catch you on the next one, listeners.